Yeah. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the Shanky Sessions, the Liverpool podcast we bring you each and every week as part of the upper tier over there on YouTube. So head over there and smash that subscribe button. Joining me tonight from Cheap Heat Productions podcast, the gooner in the realm. Morris, how are we? I think I'm better than the last time we talked. I was only saying to you on, on Twitter there earlier, it's like every time we talk, Arsenal are either in a kind of a good moment or in an absolute disaster. Yeah. It seems like only yesterday we were recording the uh, Edu episode and that's all fucking old news there, was there? <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was thinking about it today when I hit you up to come on to do the preview and I was saying the dynamic of this episode probably to that episode was like, I mean, that episode, it came across i don't know whether if people haven't watched it go and watch it but it was like it was it was kind of like arson was nearly like a laughing stock you know what i mean that it was this bullshit about like we haven't seen the full team together yet project youth all this kind of thing and arsenal fans are ripping their hair out at this interview going this is the most embarrassing the club's been and stuff like that and and so many of the fan base is so vocal and all about it but guess what the boys were right they had it down they had a plan well, it seems they were anyway, you know, but like I was I was very unhappy in January when Aubameyang left. But if they're winning games without him, what can you say? Top of yeah. the form, top of the form guide in Europe after tonight. Yeah, I don't know if you're saying online as well. Troops, <laughs> the old boy off AFTV was now a bar still. Did you see him meeting Aubameyang after the match or something like that? He has a video out and he runs up to Aubameyang and Aubameyang runs up to him and they're hugging each other. He can't believe the Troops is there. I think Troops was over. Was he over for a Barcelona game or something like that? Oh, was, I didn't even see that. Yeah, it, it's it's classic. It's really, really good. And it, it's actually, do you know something? It was heartwarming as well, you know, to see that, like, he hasn't forgot that connection about guys mm-hmm. and the way they sort of portrayed him with that Obama blood clot yang and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, really I, I even seen today, um, well, it was last night that Pierce Morgan, you know, that fucking idiot put out yeah. a, put out a tweet saying that oh while we're celebrating and some fans are trashing Aubameyang he's over in Barcelona scoring goals and Aubameyang commented underneath it and said Piers uh, sometimes a break is good and it's benefited me and it's benefited Arsenal and I'm happy for them yeah thought it was a good response yeah absolutely especially for a guy like that sticking his nose in you know what I mean like it's just ridiculous like, you know yeah. what I mean I always have something to say um but yeah, I suppose coming up at the Emirates, 8.15 on uh, Wednesday evening. So it's going to be an absolute belter for both teams. You guys are in the massive of a big top four race. We're certainly in a title race, especially after the result tonight at Crystal yeah. Palace. Um, this title race is wide open now. Um, and I had mentioned before that you could see City dropping points and not necessarily where you would think like a United game or something like that, but where you don't expect the likes of the Palaces and the Burnleys where they get down in the mire with them and get dragged down into their game and it just doesn't work for them. And Palace had their chances tonight as well. It was an interesting dynamic there. But for Arsenal, talk to me about Arsenal. Five wins on the bounce and a draw. Haven't lost, I think, since the City game, which was so unfortunate um, because... You had the run of them that day as well, bar for mm. two moments of madness, really. You know, you were bang slapping that game as well. Um, what what you're thinking at the moment now between Arteta, the team, the squad, the setup, the balance, everything that seems to be going really, really well. Yeah, it's kind of weird because when Aubameyang left in January, like I was fearing the worst, like, you know, because when you still looked at it back then, I still think even he was our best player on his day. But obviously something went wrong there and we might find out what exactly happened but it seems by taking him out by taking another big personality out of the dressing room that it's bonded all these young guys together and there's a real kind of 
team spirit there and the manager in fairness to him has to be credited for that yeah it was a huge I suppose we don't know what happened but obviously what happened couldn't be reconciled and fixed and and someone had to go and it was either Aubameyang was going to go or Arteta was going to go and Arteta looks like he won that war basically um, but certainly it galvanised the players there, didn't it? Especially the youth and stuff like that. And that nice mix of experience there. I know Shaq at times, he's a, he's a bit crazy and stuff like that. But certainly his experience and Partey, if Partey the other day was exceptional and Martin Odegaard, yeah. exceptional. And then you've Lacazette up front and, you know, sometimes he gets dogs abuse as well over like, you know, misfiring and not scoring the goals they should and stuff like that. But certainly his experience in there with that youth and stuff like that brings them together into what you would call, I suppose, a winning package. Yeah, he's dropping deep like Firmino done a lot for Liverpool and Firmino was getting abuse from certain sections, not many of the Liverpool uh, fan base, Mm. but he was dropping back and he was making the space for guys like Salah and Mane to run into and he was just doing a job for the team. I think Lacazette is doing that kind of job for Arsenal now. Um, I don't think he's as as effective as Firmino, but in fairness, I think it's seven seven assists and one goal in the last ten or something like that. So that's not a bad return considering other people are chipping in with the goals. Yeah, and I think often the the, the success of a team is not necessarily to have someone like say Aubameyang who might be prolific, but if you have everyone chipping in around the park with a few goals, I think a number of times on this podcast for Liverpool, I've called, I said, I'd like to see more goals coming in from the back line through corners and set pieces because we're mm. big enough and we should be strong enough in those moments to do it. And I think our midfield needed to chip in a lot more to take the pressure off the front three or front four or front five or whatever it is with the, the options that we have there now. So I, I was calling for that a lot this season that I wanted to see Keita and Henderson and guys like that crop up. And even Fabinho's been cropping up with some goals and, at times. So it's, it's, it's refreshing to see that as well, that it's not just the Mo Salah show or the Sadio Mane show or the Diogo Jota show, that other guys can crop up and score goals. Joel Matup the other day and stuff like that. And all. So it's really, that's really, for me, really, really important. Um, but it, it, it's a fascinating game coming up because there's, oh, there's so is. much on the line for both you and us. Um, and I could see this being a very open game and, and there could be a lot of goals in this game, really. This could be like yeah. who outscores who, really. Um yeah, I think at the same time though, like if you if you offered Arsenal a draw now, they would definitely take it. Whereas Liverpool are not in a position to take a draw, really, considering like this title race is going to be like it might even come down to goal difference yet. Yeah. So I think Liverpool just need to win every game, and I know that's near impossible in this league, but they just have to, especially yeah. after tonight, they need to go out and put out a statement now on Wednesday night. So I think really the pressure is on Liverpool in this yeah. game. Absolutely, and and I think the pressure probably would have been more on us if City had a bet Palace tonight, because obviously yeah. they would have extended out the six again. But the fact that they drew and it's only four, not that it takes all the pressure off, but alleviates it slightly. That look, even if we go out on Wednesday and we were to happen to just get a draw, it's not the end of the world. We're still in a title race. Whereas if we had mm-hmm. gone out and got a draw and it was six points, we'd be out title race. Be yeah, done, I think you know. So so, but I I, th- I think we've well we'll put on a performance. I think you guys are playing the best football I've seen in a long, long time. And you're playing with a, a kind of a swagger and a confidence as well. Um, Ramsdale at the back, revelation. Ben White, yeah. that partnership he has now with Gabriel, outstanding. Even Cedric at right back, who's coming yeah. in for Tommy Atsu. Yeah, he's done well. Fabulous job. Like, you know, he's going to get a big, like... Cedric is going to get a big test though on Wednesday night, you know, coming up. Like, I think he'll be marking Mane, won't he? 
it could be Mane or it could be Luis Diaz. Yes, could be yeah. Diaz. You know, who's um, who's come in and he's been outstanding. Shout out yeah. to all the sports fans out there. Thank you very much for what you did in January. Really appreciate the fact that you forced that through <laughs> because I tell you, you might have a different Liverpool if we didn't have Diaz in there with that energy because our front line is firing so misfiring so badly. It's untrue at the moment. Um, yeah, I think they needed a bit of freshening though as well, Liverpool, didn't they? And they invested well with, with Jota and Diaz. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's, there's options there. I mean, like Minamino's there, Origi's there, Jota, Firmino still has to come back in. You know, he's lots of options there at the moment. Talk that maybe Mo Salah might be out for this one. He took a bit of an octopus for yeah. or something like that, so it's like that. But we'll get into team news shortly. In terms of um, current league form at the moment, really, if you look at the last six games, it couldn't be any tighter. We've six wins. You have five wins and a draw. It doesn't get any tighter than that. Um, but in terms of team news, I mean, Cedric, I presume, will continue to deputise for Tommy yeah, top- Tommy Asu, I think, is is long term because I think he was kind of rushed back there and he's after doing some damage. So, yeah. you know, could be another month before he comes in. Um, what do you make of Smith Rowe and Martinelli? Does Martinelli start or does he bring in Smith Rowe now that he's back in there or does he wait and sort of cushion him back in there a little bit? It's hard to know because Martinelli is playing well. But if you look at the stats, Smith Rowe is actually our top scorer this season, which is yeah. crazy on nine goals in the league. But, um, I think I'd stick with Martinelli for this one as well. I think he just has more pace and we're going to need that pace coming up against your fullbacks. Yeah, maybe bring on Smith-Rowe with 20 minutes to go or something like that. Possibly, yeah. Because he'll have to cushion Smith-Rowe in there as well because he's only back. So like, And he's going to be a big player for you in the next eight, nine games. Massive player for you. So it's really important that they kind of protect him a little bit going in there. But if you need him, he's in there. As I said, Mo Salah has a, a potential foot injury, so he could be a doubt. Although if I know Mo Salah, he'll want to nah. play no matter what. Like, you know what I mean? Not so, a chance. Not a yeah. chance. He'll miss this. Yeah. Konate um, may shake off a knock. Um, there was a lot of talk going around about COVID and stuff like that the other day prior to the Brighton game, but it wasn't COVID, thank God. Though it has been a little bit of an outbreak, but it's more sort of staff rather than the players. Um, the talk is Jota will come in and replace Salah um, if he is out with that foot injury, so not a bad replacement at all, in no. fairness. Um, and I'd like to see Thiago probably come in from Keita. I think Keita's done all right in the last few games. But I don't think he's producing enough going forward for us. And I think Thiago's that little bit of that difference in there in terms of passing and stuff like that. Especially if you want to take out a midfield, like your midfield, he can pass through that and make it a little bit redundant, which could be really important. Yeah, you um, see, in the middle of the park, it's going to be really, uh, really important because over the last three or four games, he's kind of been leaving party isolated and he's pushed Jacka further forward up the pitch. And it seems to be working, but I think Jacka's probably better off as far away from our defence as possible because of like the errors you kind of alluded to earlier like at Man City and stuff like that yeah um, yeah no it's, I mean that midfield battle is going to be an interesting dynamic in terms of how Arteta sets up against I mean look there's no secret how we're going to set up and there's no secret how we're going to play we practically do the same thing week in week out and even yeah. when we swap players in and out they still have that same kind of role but I'd like I'd like to see a bit more I don't know what it is about us at the moment. There's a sort of a complacency and an anxiousness and a nervousness about us. And obviously we're in a title race against Man City. We're still fighting on three fronts with the Champions League and the FA Cup as well. So we're carrying a lot of pressure week in, week out. And the pressure on those players to maintain that run against Man City, who are just an incredible side, the pressure must be massive. And you can see it in the front three because they're sort of playing and misfiring by doing things that they wouldn't naturally do. 
So when they get frustrated when things aren't going their way or we don't get an early goal, say after 15 minutes, yeah. all of a sudden we start taking shots from 20 yards out and all this going in and pulling the trigger where we never would instead like of the, playing players in. Like the Inter Milan game last week would be a good example of that. Yeah. And and the and games before, I mean, even the Brighton game at the weekend, the West Ham game the week before, the Palace game before that, you know, we just we're just labouring through these games. Now, some people will say, listen, that's the sign of potentially a Titan winning team yeah. because you're not playing at your best, but you're still getting the results over the line. But I do think you have to try and figure that eventually or, or else it is going to come and bite you, like, you know, so you have to be really on your game for that. Um, in terms of lineups, if you're looking at Arsenal, Ramsdale, Cedric, White, Gabriel, Tierney, Shaka, Partey, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, and Lacazette, I think that starting eleven more or less picks itself. Yeah. Um, if Tommy Atsu was there, there's a decision to be made, I suppose. Um, you could talk about Smith Rowe and Martinelli and stuff like that, but more or less that's kind of the team. Um, what have you made of Pepe? I mean, a lot of Arsenal fans at the moment are talking about Pepe that you know he's kind of somewhat a little bit out in the cold but of course when he comes in you can see that he livens things up and shakes things up a bit and he has that kind of positivity that he brings in terms of his mm. passing on his forward thinking where where does he fit into this picture at the moment in this winning run or unbeaten run we'll say he hasn't started any of the games he came on in in one of the game got a goal and assist so i think when you're looking at it they say to never change a winning team and i just think he's going to stick to that you yeah. know even though pepe has done well as an impact sub uh, certain times he hasn't really delivered to his best and to be honest with you I can't see him even being there next year Arteta seems to have this thing where it's like if I didn't sign him he's not mine with the exception of a few players like Xhaka that, that he seems to like and, and Kieran Tierney but I just get the feeling that he's not really big up on Pepe and I think he'll use guys like Martinelli and Smith Rowe they can operate and either wing anyway and I don't see a long term future for him unfortunately because I think he's a, there's a good player in there mm. but he just hasn't been consistent yeah I think I think getting the top four and back into the Champions League will dictate the market for you this summer as well and I think this is a huge summer coming up because if you do make the top four and you do get into the Champions League this will be the real asset test for Arteta because then he has to go out and he has to buy into the market add to that squad and then kind of show up next season because there'll be an expectation then within the fan base that like mm-hmm. top four maybe is the minimum. And we have only mean? and we have only two strikers at the club, um, Lacazette and Eddie and Ketty, and they're both out of contract in the summer. So that's a, a massive problem. Yeah, my guess is he'll probably renew Lacazette because he'll want to keep a bit of experience. Eddie, I think, will just go anyway. I, I think he's resigned to that. Yeah, I think um, Palace Palace were looking for him and they should have took the offer. Palace offers, I think it was 10 and Arsenal wanted 20. So yeah. they really should have taken it up. Yeah, but certainly you'll be in the market. You'll be looking to pick up a decent striker in the in the summer without a doubt. Cal- Calvert-Lewin is the guy that's um, been mentioned and he would kind of be able, be able to do a similar role to what Lacazette is doing, I think. So I can understand maybe if they were in the market for him, but I'd be concerned about his injury record this year at the same time. Yeah, I'd also be concerned about the fact that I wonder what the the Arsenal fan base, would they see that as being ambitious enough mm. um, in terms of if you're going to kick on from this season? You know what I mean? Because you look at yeah. everything at the moment. I know he's missed a lot of the season and stuff like that. And he's yeah. only coming back in and stuff like that. Um, but, but they're on the fringe, aren't they? I mean, they're very close. They're to, big trouble. A couple of results now, they could be in serious trouble and going down and stuff like that. And then... 
you know what I mean? If, if you're looking at that and then you're going out and you're signing who's going to potentially be your main man next year and he's coming from a relegated team and something like Everton that could hit the championship, I don't yeah. know whether that would satisfy the fan base in terms of going, yeah, well, that's showing our ambition, you know? And maybe Arteta might change his mind on that as well. He might go, well, maybe not. It, it, it worked for Ramsdale, though, the amount of times he was relegated. Now, I didn't think he was going to work, but like if he's not England's number one goalkeeper, coming into the World Cup, unless something dramatically changes, like he has to be their number one. Jordan Pickford, you would well, not have bo- him well, as anyone's the, Well, number if one. the boys at the championship, he definitely will be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's without a doubt, like, you know what I mean? Because you can't, you can't be picking your keeper out of the championship above a guy here who's performing week in, week out. And, and, and not only is he performing, he's performing like a captain. The guy is a lunatic. Like, you're like, mm. like he, he's, he's in that kind of vein of Peter Schmeichel, isn't he? That, like, if you're a defender there, you're probably breaking it to make a mistake because he's absolutely going to hairdryer you out of it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I, I did notice in the last few games, though, he's taken a lot more risks, kind of maybe silly risks. And yeah. he's nearly getting caught out. So I yeah. hope he cuts that out with the, out of his game because I don't like keepers stalling and dribbling with the ball or anything like that. Just we've get rid it, of it. We've had it with Allison as well. Yeah. yeah. Nothing like overconfidence to bring a keeper back down to earth with a mistake. Yeah. Um for Liverpool, then Allison, Trent, Matip, Van Dyke, Robertson, Henderson, Fabinho. I have Thiago in there. Obviously, could be Thiago, could be Kate. I'm not too sure yet what way they're going to do it. I've Jota, Mane, and Diaz. That Jota could be Mo Salah. I think if his foot's okay, he definitely plays. This guy is yeah. just all about goals and all about the golden build and all that kind of stuff and everything as well. So I think he'll want to play. But I did look, when I've looked at the two boys, Mane and Salah as well, I've said on previews and on uh, reviews, um, they look really tired. They look like the Afcon is catching up on. If you look at yeah. Mane, he's kind of sloppy in possession. His passing isn't quite what it should be. His energy isn't as as rich as it normally is in terms of going boy guys and being clever. Tends to be hitting the deck a lot more now and drawing fouls, which is normally the sign of a player who isn't right on his game. Same with Mo Salah. Instead of that clever link-up triangle play that he has there with Jordan Henderson and with Trent, he's kind of getting the ball and running down into tunnels and not quite making the right decision and getting his head up and tends to be hitting the deck a lot more as well where he's trying to draw the fell to create the set piece rather than go by the players with his pace and stuff like that. So the two boys do look like the season is catching up on them and it wouldn't be too yeah. bad potentially to give them a little bit of time out. The question is, where do you pick it? Because we've got 10 games to go in the league. We've got and, an and there's, Champions and there's, League. And there's more international football coming up for them as well, which is a killer. It's a nonsense. Absolute yeah. nonsense international football this season, especially with the AFCON. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, in terms of the betting, I looked at the bet. Arsenal are just shy of 3-1, to 14-5. to five. The draw is 3-1. to one, And Liverpool are 5-6 to six on. I think those odds are way off kilter in terms of where both teams are at the moment. I think they're very similar at the minute in terms of the form they're showing and the play that they're showing at the moment. If anything, I think Arsenal's form is slightly better in terms of in-game form and the way they're playing. Like if you looked at them playing there the other day with Odegaard pulling the strings and stuff like that, and that one touch, that one touch football that they're playing, that slick football that was like, you know, early Wenger type of stuff and things like that looks really, really good and stuff like that. Whereas we're kind of, we're playing the way we normally play, but it's quite laboured. We're we're second guessing ourselves. We're taking an extra touch when we shouldn't. You know, we're sloppy in possession and in passes. So we're not quite where we should be, but we'll need to be on Wednesday because this is, this is as big a game as I can remember in terms of, uh, I know, you know, we went through the two legs in the Carabao Cup and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of what's on the line here, I mean, let's be honest, a place in the Champions League 
is so much bigger than at times the Carabao Cup, you know, in terms of your financial rewards and how it springs board and attracts players in that net effect, you know. Um, give us a prediction. What are you thinking? Then? I really don't know. The one thing I will say is that the longer the game goes on, the longer I think that if we can hold Liverpool out, the more it will suit us. If we go and drop a couple of early goals, it's bye bye. You know, yeah. I think I think if we don't get a goal on the on the sheet within 20, 25 minutes, we'll start to get that nervous anxiety again. Um, especially with the way the results have gone and the opportunity that we have on Wednesday. So if if we don't hit the ground running pretty quick, you know, we'll start getting into these silly things that we do, that nervousness, that anxiety, that pressure to get a goal and stuff like that. And um that, that would that would be my only fear. I we would did, say I would say if you want a prediction that I'd say a narrow loss, maybe 2-1. Two, 2-1 two, to Liverpool. 2-1 to Liverpool. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get hammered in this game, but I mm. could be wrong. If, if those early goals go in, though, it's all. I think the first goal, actually, on Wednesday is going to be so crucial, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of will It will dictate. Um, like, if you get a goal, your confidence will be sky high, and it'll be wave and wave of attack. If we get the goal, you might rescind back into yourself again. And you might try to play that kind of low block to give you an opportunity maybe on a counter with that yeah. high line and stuff like that. But again, with that high line, it's kind of, I don't think Lacazette's going to danger it in any way because I don't think he has the pace to do it really, you know? So, but the other that, boys, the other boys, Martinelli could be dangerous. Saka could be dangerous. And um, we're going to have to be really careful with that high line. And, and, and you could see we have offered up chances. You've seen it in the Palace game. They had chances. West Ham, you've seen it with Lanzini. That chance that he missed was unbelievable. A better team would put that away. And even against Brighton the other day, at times they broke through and had chances. Lamptey at times in the first 10, 15 minutes was unbelievable down the wing against Robbo and stuff like that. So um, I do think there'll be chances in the game. I'm kind of thinking 3-2 Liverpool. I think this is going to be like a tennis game. This is going to be like you score, we score, like those old Newcastle games. And it'll just depend who comes out scoring on top at the time. Um, but I think 3-2 Liverpool. Um, but I don't think it will endanger Arsenal in any way. I think Arsenal will look at this game as a measuring yardstick for them and say, oh, OK, yeah. we know that there's still a bit of a gulf there between ourselves and Liverpool. But we go again. We have the game in hands. This is the game that we were looking at that potentially, look, if we get a point over, as you said, brilliant. If we were to get a win, unbelievable. Um, but certainly we could take something out of this game continue our run apart from this game and then um, push on for that top four. You see yourself getting top four, confident? Um, we have to wait and see what way the, the old games in hand play out. I think that they're going to be massive. Like at the mm. moment, looking at it now, we've got four over Man United. So I think they could be in, they could be in bother, although we still have to play them as well. Um, Tottenham, I, I predicted Tottenham maybe to finish the top four the last time I was on the show and I thought that I said that maybe Chelsea can be caught in third, and I still think that they could be caught in third, mm. you know, even by us. But um, oh, I really don't know. I think it's, it's going to be so I, tight. I suppose the key thing about it is if West Ham stay in Europe, if they could get over the, the one they lost to Sevilla, if they continue in Europe, you would expect them to kind of fall away because I don't think they have the strength and the energy to get through yeah. that season and continue and, in Europe. And with, Bowen, with Tottenham, with Tottenham, Bowen. yeah, Bowen missing is huge. 
and Antonio and went off the other day as well. Yeah, and with, with Tottenham at the moment, I think it's going to win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So if they've got 10 games to go, they win five and lose five, that's not going to get them over the line. So yeah. I think I think you can nearly take them out. United, I suppose you'll be hoping that they continue in the Champions League because that would be a distraction, at least for another two games if they get over tomorrow night in the Atletico game. So that gives you another opportunity as well because all you're focusing on is the league every single time. You don't know other distractions. Um, I, I fancy used to do it. I really fancy used to do it. And, I, and I, I think if you go back and you look at those dark days in August and September where you were bottom of the league into that first international break, I think you played yeah. either three or four games. You had no points. You had dropped to Brentford. I think it was Brentford, Chelsea and Man City, was it? I think yeah. they were the first three games. And like it was looking really ominous and really bad. Zero points, bottom of the league. But to where he's brought them to is is it's an incredible. I mean, he he he's another one I think who's gone about his business kind of in a quiet way, where he's pulled things together, he's got results, and he's another guy who's up there potentially as a manager of the year candidate as well himself, David yeah. Moyes, you know, and then you obviously have the Peps and the Klops of this world and stuff like that. But I was, I, I think he's done a fabulous job. Yeah, I was watching the Monday Night Football analysis before the game tonight, and they were showing how he's setting up basically using Pep's formation. Like it was very interested with the way he's using Jacka and even party where Rodri would be. And they were yeah. going through all that comparison. If you get to have a chance to look at it, it's really yeah, interesting. Look at it, yeah. The, uh, the, the penny has dropped as they say. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just copy everything. Uh, Guardiola does. Yeah, hey, listen, Pep will, be, Pep, Pep will be uh, ringing him up, I think, looking for a favour on Wednesday night. Yeah, I, I would imagine so, yeah. And 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 now and now the kind of dynamic between Arteta and Klopp as well, it has been a little bit feisty and stuff like that. So he'd like nothing more to stumble that title race, give Pep a hand out, and also really help that top four push, you know. So yeah. there's so many dynamics to this game on Wednesday, isn't it? It's a big game. feels like a real cup final game, doesn't it? It's it it feels like, like even for us, like I think it feels like probably the biggest game like we might have had this season, just because of what you mentioned with the measuring stick and the mm. run we've been on. But we know really that we're not on the level of Man City and Chelsea. They're they're still miles ahead of everyone else, including mm. Chelsea, Man United. But um, they'll be happy with a draw. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd, and that point could be so important. So, so important. As you said, between the top four race and the title race, it's going to be so, so tight coming to the end of the season. Um, well, listen, a pleasure having you on, as always, for the, the previews. Likewise. Um, we might even try and nab you on Wednesday. Might get a match reaction pending on how it goes. We'll see. Yeah. Um, it'd be, be good fun to see exactly what the dynamic was like, especially with that midfield battle and stuff like that. But before we go anywhere, Tell everyone about Cheapy Productions, what's going on there. I had a, I looked at a brilliant show <laughs> today with Peter McKenna, the director from Kin. Absolutely brilliant to delve into that and his yeah. mindset and his thinking yeah. and how it comes together. I've been recording like so many things and different things that like I can't even remember. So I'm going to grab my phone. Absolutely. Um, I have, what do I have this week? Honestly, I can't even remember. I just to be doing these things and I always record them so far in advance. But I ha- I'm sure they're all very, very random. Um, let me see. So, yeah, I've got like a, a professional knife drawer on next week. I have like a guy that, that made the first Mortal Kombat game. And then I have the cover artist that done 100 of the iconic Goosebumps books as well. So <laughs> that was interesting. So you just never know. 
Yeah, I tell you, it, it, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic because I'm sure for your viewers and your subscribers, they're just sitting back going, what's going to come at me this week, you know? Yeah. But I especially really enjoyed that one today on King because like, I'm obviously a big fan of the, the, the gangland documentaries and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it's like, it'd be so difficult as well for those guys to succeed on the back of the likes of love, hate and stuff like that. And all. Mm. But as you said in the interview, they brought a kind of a different flavor to it. And it was interesting to hear his ideas about like not shooting from the normal locations. You'd yeah, expect in terms of and all that kind of stuff. It was so interesting. So I'd urge our viewers, get over there, subscribe to Chihi Productions podcast, check out that interview uh, with the director, Kim Peter McKenna. Absolutely brilliant. Stellar guest. And loads of brilliant content over there. Some brilliant interviews and stuff like that. Knocking it out of the park over there. So, yeah, absolutely. Like yourself, brilliant. working hard. Grinding, as they say. Grinding, as they yeah. say, to get there. So, um, yeah. I've made, I've made a full 13 euro so far this month. I tell you, we won't retire, but we give it a <laughs> shot, yeah? <laughs> Listen, oh. that, you might get maybe one drink in Dallas with that, maybe one drink. Yeah. I suppose we should finish up, look, with thoughts and prayers with uh, Scott Hall's family. We know that <laughs> Scott Hall um, took a bit of a turn there from hip surgery the other day, had three heart attacks, was on life support. Uh, we're hearing today that his family have arrived. They switched off the life support, and I would imagine albeit that was a miracle. It's only a matter of time before he passes away. A legend of wrestling that we both love, of course. Um, and very sad. I suppose we get to an age, Morris, where the things that we grew up on and we love and we cherish suddenly start to disappear. And I was mm-hmm. talking to a guy today saying, you know, you build up all these memories as you go through your life. And then as you get older, those memories tend to fade and disappear. And you end up back at the end of your days with what you came in with was nothing. And you leave it. <laughs> And it's a very sad sort of it's a, big, it's, really, a bit, you know? it's a bit grim, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit grim, <laughs> but it's the reality of it. Like the yeah. stuff that I grew up on, so much of it is gone, you know. And you know, it's really sad to think, you know, we're only eventually waiting on the Hogan's and the flares and all this kind of stuff. It will eventually happen and stuff like that. And uh, but yeah, thoughts, prayers, condolences, obviously, um, to Scott Hall's family. Um, very sad at this time, a guy who was iconic in the business and certainly has left his mark with him. Um, those promos and interviews, ladder matches and all that such cool stuff that he did. Big part of the NWO, the Outsiders and Razor Ramon and all that good stuff. Yeah. So we, we'll leave you with that. If you're wrestling fans out there, you know what we're talking about. And if you're not, why aren't you? <laughs> Until next time, my friend. A pleasure.